Welcome to Locked On Grizzlies. Uh, this, this Thursday, July 2nd edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Thank you so much again for joining us. My regular co-host, Mark King, actually is going to be um, out for the rest of the week. And so I will once again be flying solo with you if you enjoyed yesterday's episode. Well, hey, we're back again. I uh, can't thank you enough for joining us. As always, uh, you can find myself at StatsSAC. On Twitter, you can follow, you can find Mark at King underscore producer. And you can find the podcast at Locked on Grizz. As we discussed yesterday, that's the reason why we're here is, is for y'all and for us. It's an opportunity for us to give you the best Grizzlies content we can, me and Mark. A lot of people will, will tell us after a while just to shut up. But, hey, if we can talk Grizzlies anytime we get the chance to, we find that as a dream come true. Uh, so we love doing this and love uh, the interaction with y'all just to deliver the best content we can. I and On yesterday's episode, I had mentioned that I, I the plan was, was to have a special guest on today's show. That guest due availability will be on tomorrow, the Friday edition of Locked on Grizzlies. And we've got plenty to discuss today, though, with some news that has come out, plus a, a bit of an anniversary that was celebrated yesterday. Um, and we'll get into all that. But of course, uh, we, we want to remind you of our title sponsor rock auto rock auto um, dot com um, rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need if you visit rockauto.com tell them locked on sent you and get all your car part needs taken care of in a swift and easy manner so in today's episode we're going to talk about yesterday's news that came out regarding the uh, revealing of the uh, 2k21 next generation cover athlete and why over the past few days, the revelations of the cover athletes actually is a positive for the Grizzlies and John Morant. In the second part of the episode, we'll talk about how yesterday was the fourth anniversary of, in my opinion, one of the more pivotal moments in the history of the Grizzlies. And in the third edition, we will kind of follow up. In the third part of the episode, we'll kind of follow up on our second part um, with a conversation about the future. But let's jump right in to yesterday's news. So yesterday it was revealed that Zion Williamson was going to be the 2K21, the NBA 2K21 cover athlete uh, for, for the next-gen edition. Now, the, the, the setup seems to be that uh, the 2K series is kind of every year now uh, it, for different versions of their game. They, they're going to have probably three athletes. They're going to have a next generation to celebrate a rookie. They're going to have a current superstar, and it seems like a past superstar. Obviously, you know, um, it was announced that Damian Lillard was the, the, the main game's cover athlete. The next-gen version would be Zion. It, it seems all things are pointing to Kobe, obviously, being the uh, the the uh, past generation covers the special edition, deluxe edition, collector's editions, as it should have been. Obviously, you know, with Kobe's untimely passing earlier this year, that that seems more than appropriate. But the thing about it is, is that if you've been following 2K, I'm not a, a big gamer myself. I don't go play like in the online, um, you know, leagues and all that different stuff. I, I kind of play in my own time. I really enjoy the 2K games, but they have the shows. When you're loading up your game, they have the different shows that you can watch. And, and you kind of got the hint that here recently over the past few months, they'd spent time with Dame. Um, they, they were at the PS5 release show. They featured Zion. You kind of saw when the behind-the-scenes stuff came out about those two, that was going to be who they were going to use as their cover athletes. And obviously here in Memphis, you know, that came as it, you know, with a bit of, you know, an ire, a bit of a, and not really frustration, but, you know, it was just, a, okay, just a, another 
thing where Memphis is not getting the respect it deserves. But here's the thing about it. First off, when it comes to Dame and when it comes to Zion, personally, I think they're great choices. Like, I am nothing but respect. Um, I love Damian Lillard. If you have listened to me over various podcasts and you've written my, uh, you've read my works over at Grizzly Bear Blues and follow me on Twitter, I mentioned in all those places, I feel like that a very ideal career arc for John Morant is that of Damian Lillard. I know that they are different types of players, but in terms of representing a small city, taking pride in being in a small market, and coming from a small school and turning into a true original type brand and superstar, um, I would love for John Morant to, in his own way, kind of follow the path that Damian Lillard has. So I, I think it's great that Damian is the cover uh, the cover athlete for the main 2K21 game. He certainly has earned it, um, and, and I think that he, he's, he's a great person to, to have represent the game. I also think Zion. I know that he's only played 19 games in the NBA, but the man is a brand. The man is a genuine brand. I, I, I don't think that there is a high school athlete in basketball who has got who who had as much coverage or steam before he even made it to college that Zion had. You know, since LeBron James, so he he was already a brand by the time he got to Duke. All he did was confirm what everybody thought once he got to Duke, and now he's here. The the announcement of Williamson obviously is going to carry a, a bit more resentment for Memphis fans, I feel, than the announcement of Lillard. But the thing about it is, is that that's what this is all about. Yes, John Morant is the rookie of the year. John Morant has obviously built a better rookie resume than Zion because Zion was hurt. But the thing about it is, is that Zion already has an established brand. John does as well. But Zion was the number one pick. Zion was viewed as being the better talent, and Zion has been the better talent when he's played. That's that's not any disrespect towards Jaw. It's just the truth. So in terms of right now, in terms of the setup for 2K21, this was expected. The better brands are Zion and um, um, Day. But Zion specifically, he just right now is the more established brand. And for a franchise in of the 2K um, game franchise, they're going to go with what's going to make them the most money. And right now, that is Zion. But this actually, in my opinion, is a big opportunity for a positive. And don't get me wrong, John Morant, you know, doesn't need um, any help in getting motivation. I, I don't know if he's to the point of Michael Jordan where if somebody sneezes wrong, he's going to use that as motivation to go drop 40. Ja is perfectly capable of, of, of whatever he uses to get his game going. It's perfectly fine to do it. But this also is a perfect opportunity and a perfect setting for him to use this as further motivation to absolutely ball out and on a stage that's set for his type of game in the Orlando bubble, to ball out. Just think about it. The NBA has now, t- the two teams that are trailing the Grizzlies right now, that have the probably the most um, reasonable chance to come up and challenge the Grizzlies for the eighth seed, are the Portland Trailblazers and the New Orleans Pelicans. The best players on those teams are Damian Lillard and Zion Williamson. It's pretty clear that the NBA prefers to have Zion versus Jaw for that eighth seed. And let's be honest, the NBA probably wants Zion to face the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. That's what's going to make them the most money. But now you've got another situation in which Jaw definitely had a reasonable resume, a reasonable reason to be the guy to be selected, but it was Zion that was. 
So now you're going to have Jaw face both Lillard and Zion in two of the first three games in the Orlando bubble. What more motivation than this to use to be able to step up to his game? And that's the thing about it, is that this Orlando bubble is an AAU-type atmosphere. This is the exact type of thing that Jaw is used to. Obviously, Zion is as well. But my point that I'm getting at is this, is that I don't feel as if Memphis fans or, or anyone that's a fan of Jaw should should feel resentment or should feel disrespected. It's just ex- it's expected. That's the whole thing about it. This was expected. The 2K franchise is going to go with what's going to make them the most money. Right now, Zion is a brand that's going to make them the most money. But if what is if what's expected has happened, who better than the Grizzlies and Jaw to thwart what's expected? They've done it all year. They rose to the occasion. They became a playoff team when no one expected it. And they've absolutely been able to, whenever the ball was there to be taken, the Grizzlies have taken it and they've ran with it. Why not do the same thing now? In that Orlando bubble, let Jaw on center stage with all the NBA's best talent in one central location. Let him ball out. Let him secure that eight seed four of the Grizzlies. Then he comes up against the Lakers more than likely in that first round faces the 2K20 athlete in Anthony Davis and, obviously, living legend LeBron James, let him ball out there. So that's that's what this is. The Grizzlies are still a brand being built, not just for the team, but also individually. Jaron, Jaw, Brandon Clark, Jonas, all these different levels of brands are still being built. And when this type of recognition occurs elsewhere... That just adds the opportunity for the Grizzlies and their players to build on their own brands and take advantage of it. Again, Ja doesn't need any motivation. But remember this, Ja isn't a very aware young man. Look at what he did when he wrote that letter to the Murray, Kentucky um, leadership about the statue that's in the middle of the city. You see Jaw interact with these different personalities. He, it seems like that Jaw is definitely becoming, a, is already a known and respected personality in the music industry. There's a lot of musicians that he, you know, reaches out to about um, uh, when their albums are going to release, and they recognize him. Jaw is a brand being built the right way. It's going to take time, though, just like this Grizzly team is going to take time. That's what happens when you rebuild. But just like we take pride in how well this rebuild has started, I say we take pride in what's going on right now. If you feel that Josh should have been the cover athlete, there's no reason as to why you are wrong. You're, you have an ex- you are exactly right in feeling that Jaw had the right to be the athlete because of what he's done this year. But take pride in that. Just use it, as I'm sure Jaw's going to, as a way to take pride and realize, hey, the more they sit here and overlook us, the more opportunity and the better it's going to be when we finally arrive and with the Grizzlies and their players and thus as a reason their fans, there's going to be a time when the Grizzlies are going to arrive with the national scene focuses on Memphis as much as it focuses on elsewhere. This core of players and this team has that potential, and one of these days soon they will reach it. And when they do, it's going to be lovely. And why not have that feeling start in the Orlando bubble when the Grizzlies are on the center stage and they can really turn some heads and make people realize just how good they are in the present and will be in the future. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, this now being the fourth anniversary of a, a pretty significant moment in Grizzlies history that happened back on July 1st, 2016. We'll be right back with you here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. 
As a Locked On Podcast Network host, one thing I take pride in is knowing a lot about sports. However, one thing that I have no problem admitting is I don't know a lot about cars. But one thing I do know is that if I ever have issues with my car, I know exactly where to go, and that's rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a great place because not only is it a very deep and resourceful place to go for your car part needs. It's very easy to navigate. With a few clicks of the button, it very easily can take you from what you need to gain to, to what you have. You have the ability to get the car parts that you need, and even if you don't know how to install those parts, you can provide them to the source that does, and it's a very simple process. It's very cost efficient, whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or you do this for a living for others. It's a great, great place for you to go as a resource. You actually can go Go to the website, and it has a lot of different listings that helps you choose exactly what you need. Plus, it's very deep in the parts that it has, uh, whether that be brake parts, engine control modules, um, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, whatever it may be, rockauto.com is your one-stop shop. And the thing I can tell you is this. If you go to rockauto.com, let them know that we sent you here from Locked On. I know a lot of our hosts have used Lock, have used Rock Auto in the past, and we will continue to do it in the future. So no matter how deep your car knowledge may go, the one thing that can help you out in getting car parts is certainly rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com, and when you go there in the how-to section, let them know Locked On sent you. Welcome back to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. So, as I had mentioned in part one, um, you know, we, we wanted to talk about you know it being you know July now, and every year uh, July first, which was yesterday, obviously, is a big time of the year. Late June and July is is a huge time of the NBA season. A lot of times, especially over the past couple of years, it's more exciting than a big part of the regular season. Um, even because it's the time when the draft and free agency occurs. This is the one time during the year where you really could see a team's future change significantly, either for better or for worse, losing players, gaining players, whatever it may be. We saw it happen for several franchises just a year ago. Well, in terms of the Grizzlies, this time of year hasn't been that exciting. Like It, it has been over the past couple of years, but in their first 14 or 15 or so years in Memphis, it wasn't that exciting, but that was not the case four years ago. And what I'm referencing, of course, is what basically yesterday was kind of the, I guess, unofficial ending of one of the biggest moments in franchise history, and that was the signing of Chandler Parsons. Obviously, as we all know, Chandler Parsons signed a four-year, $96 million contract back on July 1st, 2016. It immediately had concerns with it. There were red flags all over the place when it occurred, and it wound up all that became a reality. It's one of the big. It's obviously one of the most disappointing things in Grizzlies history. One of the biggest bust free agent signing contracts in NBA history, and maybe all of sports history. All that's already known. But the thing about it is, is that the Chandler Parsons contract itself was kind of a microcosm. It was just the tip of the iceberg of the bigger issues that were going on in the Grizzlies organization at the time. And so the Parsons contract, in my opinion, actually, when looking back on it, could have been a necessary evil, was kind of a tipping point that started, you know, the movement that needed to occur for the Grizzlies to move on. That, that's basically what this all comes down to, is that the Parsons contract in general was just a sign that the current front office in, in Memphis was not ready to move on when outside factors showed that it was time to. And, and here's what I mean. Coming off the 2015-2016 season, the Grizzlies had made the playoffs, but they were swept by the Spurs in the first round. 
it actually was a pretty monumental achievement for them to have made the playoffs. Dave Yeager had done an excellent coaching job. The Grizzlies had set the record for the most players to play on a roster during an NBA season and still made the playoffs. But as great as that was, there definitely also were you know some concerns as the 2015-2016 occurred. For one, you started to see kinks. You started to see some cracks in the foundation of the grind era. Um, you know, Zach Randolph and Tony Allen were coming into their early to mid 30s. They both experienced significant injuries. Both Mike Conley and Mark Gasol experienced injuries that kit that knocked them out for the season. They weren't there for the playoffs. So the grit grind era was built on those four players and. And that started to show that the era was going to only be as good as those players were good. So as those players, especially Allen and Randolph, started to age, started to naturally decline, as is expected of an NBA player when he gets his, into his 30s, the grit grind era was not as effective as it had been. So, you know, it showed that, you know, the changes needed to be made on the horizon. Well, besides the players, there also was, you know, obviously, you know, a bit of a drama going on between the front office and the coaching staff. When Dave Yeager had taken over for Lionel Hollins, Jason Levian was a big supporter of Yeager. Well, he no longer was there. Yeager had attempted to potentially see what else was out there before the 15-16 season. After the 15-16 season, it appeared that there was some disconnect between him and, and Chris Wallace and Robert Perra. So from what we know, when Yeager went to talk with um, Wallace and Perra, he tried to see if he could see what other options were out there because he was not getting as paid as other coaches who had had less success were around the league. Wallace kind of took that as an understanding, okay, this just needs to end, and so Jaeger was fired. Now, the significance of that was that now, it was as it once was before the grit and grind era started, the direction of the team was completely back in Chris Wallace's hands, and this time it was with Robert Perra as the owner. The past is the best indicator of the future, and of course, it did it again. One thing Wallace seemed to do right was that in firing Jaeger, he replaced him with David Fisdale. David so so he went outside of the grit and grind legacy to get a coach to come in. Um, and, and in my opinion, Fisdale was was a good find. He came from a good source. He came from the Heat. He was highly recommended by Eric Spolstra, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. You know, take those opinions for whatever you may. And the other thing about Jaeger is that, or excuse me, uh, um. Fisdale was that it seemed as if his coaching style was going to make the Grizzlies more designed to play like the trends in the NBA's were, which was more offensive-oriented, um, shooting-wise, scoring-wise, offensive-wise, things such as that. So with with so on the coaching front, the change from Jaeger to Fisdale, though it definitely was dramatic and it was less than ideal, there were some positives from it. It seemed like the Grizzlies organization was going to try to get more with the times. On the roster's end, there was also plenty of change going on. Obviously, with the injuries to Randolph and, and Allen, it seemed as if there was going to need to be a shift from them carrying the load, from them being premier talents on the team, getting a lot of minutes per game, all that different stuff. They're also, though they had already locked up um, uh, Mark Gasol, the Grizzlies also were going into the 15-16 offseason with Mike Conley needing to be extended. And this was the offseason in which the NBA saw an explosion in the available funds that were there for free agents. So they were, the Grizzlies were going to have to pay up big for Conley. Obviously, it made sense to keep Conley. But one of the things that he and Gasol wanted to see was they wanted to see, knowing that 
Allen and um, Randolph are going to have to take a step back. Conley and Gasol wanted to see that the Grizzlies were going to commit to staying competitive. Well, the Grizzlies felt like they found that in Chandler Parsons, and on paper, it made sense. Fisdale wanted to come in, spread the floor, shoot the ball more, have more offensive resourcefulness. Chandler Parsons on paper offered all that. He was a second playmaker, good outside shooter, decent defender. You know, he was a great third option to make this Grizzlies offense potentially, you know, as best as it could be for in, in you know in a while. The problem was was that was all on paper. In reality, it was the idea of what Parsons could be that made him potentially worth the contract, if you even want to go there. In reality, there were plenty of red flags. There were his knees. It just he. It was clear that it was going to be hard for Parsons to regain what he once was due to the extensive operations, the microfracture surgeries that he had had on his knees. Well, despite all this, the Grizzlies went ahead and, and in an effort to retain Conley, which they did, they brought in Parsons. And like we said, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. But the reason why I called this a necessary evil is not in any way, shape, or form, trying to give a negative overtone to Parsons. I'm not saying I'm glad that he didn't come back or had further injuries. That's not the case at all. It, it, you know, I feel bad for the guy. You know, you you may or may not be a fan of Parsons' personality, but it, it, you know, it just generally sucks that, you know, his career was taken away from him because of unfortunate injuries. The thing that I will say, though, the reason why it was a necessary evil is because that was the point in which it was... I hope, in which I think, it became clear to perhaps Para and others with influence that Chris Wallace just wasn't the guy for the job. He was going to do all that he could to absolutely ride the grit and grind brand and philosophy and era into the dirt. And what was going to happen was, was that this Grizzlies team was going to either stay mediocre or they were going to stink for a while because they were trying to be competitive when they just no longer had the means to do it. And they weren't going to be able to sit there and acquire the means to do it because if Chandler Parsons is the best you can do on a free agent contract, that kind of means, you know, that that option's just not there. And Wallace also had proven he couldn't do much through the draft in the past. So that's why I'm saying that the Chandler Parsons, despite all the negatives around it, it kind of, you know, it, it, in me, it was a to me, it was a necessary development. It didn't work out. It definitely was. It hamstrung the Grizzlies franchise. It certainly was a, a, a dark cloud over the Grizzlies as they transitioned from the Great Grind era into, you know, the struggles that they had in 17 and 18 and 18 and 19. But the positives from it were that it became clear that once Parsons didn't work out, yes, Conley and Gasol were good, yes, the Grizzlies stayed competitive, but they needed to shift their focus to rebuilding, and they also needed to shift their focus away from Wallace if he wasn't going to be it. And though it probably took a year long, or a year or two longer than it should, they finally did, and we obviously see where they are now. So, so coming back you know, to the, the overall point of Parsons, looking back at it on four years ago, Yes, it was it was one of the most negative things to ever happen to the Grizzlies, um, um, you know, in the Grizzlies franchise history. But thankfully, it's not something that just absolutely put the Grizzlies behind the eight ball for you know many years to come. They realized that a mistake had been made. They dealt with the ramifications of it. He eventually was traded after three years to the Hawks, and over the past year, obviously, you know, the Grizzlies have been able to 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 remove the mindset that thought it was good sense to bring him in. 
and they replaced it with someone who obviously has now allowed for us to, within a year, be one of the best young cores in the NBA. So yes, while it's unfortunate as far as what occurred to Chandler and Parsons on an individual basis, and yes, you can look back at it and you know you can have sympathy, you can see that it can make sense on paper. In my opinion, this over time, this negative became a positive because it removed the flawed decision makers from the Grizzlies front office and we replaced them with guys who seem to know what they're doing and obviously everything that's occurred since then is proof of that. We're going to take a quick break but when we get back our focus is still going to be free agency and we're going to talk about how the difference between what has happened up to this point in free agency for Memphis could look a lot different as they go forward. We'll be right back with you here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Welcome back to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. So, the thing that I'll say is this, as we had mentioned, you know, Chandler Parsons was a a big deal for the Grizzlies franchise, even though he didn't work out. The reason why is just simply because he by far is the Grizzlies' um, most um, worthy, uh, newsworthy free agent signing that that they've ever had. You know, in terms of the Grizzlies themselves, I mean, I've done, if you've you've followed my work recently over at Grizzly Bear Blues, I've done some some, uh, different write-ups as far as the five best draft nights, the five worst draft decisions, five best draft decisions, five best trades. You know, we talked about the five um, best draft hauls on yesterday's episode. Well, you know, you would think that next would be free agents, but it's just hard to discuss that about the Grizzlies because they haven't really had a lot of free agent signings that were out there. I mean, in the top five of best free agent signings, I mean, I, I, I would put James Posey, who legitimately was a good free agent signing in his first year. He had one of the top 10 seasons by Memphis Grizzlies ever when he had his first year, I believe in the 2003-2004 season. But besides that, I mean, uh, who are we going to mention? Are we going to mention Hamad Haddadi? Uh, are we going to mention Allen Iverson? Uh, Vince Carter would be there. Obviously, at the top of the list would be Tony Allen. So, yeah, the Grizzlies have had, you know, players around here that we remember. But in the general scheme of things, the Grizzlies are, are at the bottom of the NBA in terms of how free agency has impacted them. And unfortunately, the one clear example of them taking a chance and using the ability to use a max contract when the NBA's um, um, you know overall cap structure expanded back in the 15-16 offseason, they completely whipped. Chandler Parsons is, again, one of the biggest busts in NBA history. You know, However much that had to do with him, however much that had to do with the Grizzlies, it occurred. But as I mentioned, it was kind of necessary for that to occur because it shifted the Grizzlies' focus. may have taken longer than needed, but we're here now. And so the reason why free agency is again relevant is for a few reasons. Well, number one, it's because now the Grizzlies are at the point in the history of their franchise after two decades where you can make an argument they are more of a free agent destination now than ever. And the reason why is this. Yes, in the past, the Grizzlies had a very successful run. They had Zach Randolph, they had Tony Allen, they had Mike Conley, and they had Mark Gasol. Thing about it is, though, is that those guys were very important in the city of Memphis and this region. On a national scale, though, they weren't that no, they weren't that significant. That's nothing against them. It kind of has to deal with them. You know, all of those guys were very involved in Memphis, and that is wonderful. That's what worked for them, and it worked out for everybody involved. So it worked. It made sense. But in terms of attracting free agents, it just was not an equation that was going to lead to a lot of free agents coming over. When Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley were here, yes, it's similar to what they the Grizzlies have now in Jaw and Jaron. 
But Mark and Mike were invested in Memphis, and they didn't do much as far. You know, yes, they, 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 they built their brands, but Mike Conley and Mark Gasol were never guys who just had huge personalities. They were never guys who were just considered to be just, you know, at the forefront of the NBA stock process when it came to marketing and things like that. Well, that's a different story now with Jaw and Jaren. The reason why is because Jaw and Jaren are two very fun personalities. I'm not saying anything negative towards Mark. And Mike, nothing that I'm about to say is meant as a slight towards those guys. It's just Jaw and Jaren do it differently. And the way that they do it now, that's probably going to be more attractive for potential free agents. They have fun. They're involved in social media. Obviously, they have... They, they have um, relevance outside of the game. You can see how they interact with musical talents and fans and things such as that. Plus, they're young and they have shown that they have the ability to that they've had the ability to turn Memphis into a playoff team much faster than anybody expected. So you now have these this core in place, this one-two combo that really can make a difference when it comes to promoting the idea of free agents coming to Memphis. Yeah. Memphis is a small market. It may not be as desirable of a destination. But at the end of the day, your 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 desire is to play basketball, playing with talented guys who legitimately could be a, a you know have title aspirations in the future, and can have fun while doing it. Plus, have skill sets that will complement you well. I don't blame them a bit if a free agent wants to come here, and that's the great thing about it. The other part of it is this is that the Grizzlies are going to be attractive because of their style of play. This definitely has been, in my opinion, the greatest offensive showing by a Grizzlies team in the history of the franchise. You've got Jaw and you've got Tyus Jones. You've got the bench that's in place. You've got Jaron and Brandon Clark and Jonas who have kind of, you know, formatted their games to the way that the NBA is played. And you've got Taylor Jenkins, a coach that really connects with his players, is able to scheme his strategy based off their strengths, and is going to sit there and help the roster develop from top to bottom. Doesn't matter if you're a key star or if you're the 10th guy on the bench, Taylor Jenkins, because of his connection with you, is going to help you develop. So besides Jaron and Jaw, you got a philosophy here, a culture here, and a coach here, and a staff, and a front office that are going to be smart and support you. All that's going to help you develop. So going to a place where not only can you sign, play somewhere that's fun, play somewhere that's going to be competitive, but also play somewhere that has shown the ability to develop other players and can develop you. That's a great thing, and that's what's attractive about the potential free agents coming here. The Grizzlies are no longer, um, you know, uh, as as we used to say, they're zigging as and, and the rest of the league is zagging. The Grizzlies have embraced the way that the NBA is going, and they show that they can be successful doing it. So if a potential free agent is out there looking for a destination to come, besides Jaron and Jaw, the philosophy and the culture that's here and the style of play all that is with the rest of the NBA, so it can. that's another thing that can add to the attractiveness of being a free agent that comes to Memphis. And the third thing is to why it's important that, you know, the Grizzlies have, have, have made these changes. They've, they have drafted two very, you know, attractive talents. They have created a culture that is very friendly to today's game and to today's style and so attractive to today's free agents. It came at the right time. The 2020 NBA offseason was never expected to be a great one because there just wasn't a lot of free agents. A lot of teams have put more in, have put more emphasis on locking up their young stars. But the 2021 offseason supposedly is supposed to be a big one in terms of potential free agents that's out there. Obviously, COVID 
is something that could potentially impact that. But even if it's not through free agency, even if it's some type of trade, the Grizzlies have positioned themselves to where now they have more flexibility with their cap room and with their contract structures than they've ever had. So not only are they more, they are they a more attractive destination, they also have more flexibility in terms of how to use their money. And just in general, to be honest, they've got smarter minds in the front office that they've had to know how to use that money correctly. Not only can they identify the correct talent to go out and get it and add it to our core, they also have the financial means to make sure it stays here. So those are three reasons. John, Jaron, the coaching staff that's here, and also the money management that has occurred over the past few years to make us be able to, to financially attract people to come all those things are important, and for those three reasons, I really think that's why Memphis could become a free agent destination in the future. We're here, it, 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 Jaren, John and Jaron have committed to Memphis, and through that, the coaching staff here is a big reason why. All those same reasons are the reason why a free agent could potentially commit to us in the near future, and I really think that we can get a big name to pair with John and Jaron, which should only help us get closer to being championship material. So there you have it. You know, just again, you know, 2020 is not a normal year. Obviously, the draft and free agency are going to happen later this year. But, you know, it, it is, in my opinion, definitely significant to kind of look how things have happened in the past during the draft and free agency and how here recently and in the future, both those things are hopefully going to change for the better for not only for us to be a sustainable winner, but eventually a title contender. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Tomorrow, the guest that I had today will be joining me, uh, so we'll look forward to speaking with him. Again, if you want to uh, follow us, you can follow me at StatsSAC, follow Mark at King underscore producer, follow the show at Locked on Grizz. If you're a local business, reach out to me and Mark uh, through Twitter or however you may decide to. We'd be glad to get your information out there to make sure that, you know, we you are promoted uh, through us here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. And again, reach out to us via Locked on Grizz. We, we do the Monday mailbags. If you have any questions, suggestions, topics you want to discuss, let us know. We enjoy talking about things that are relevant. And of course, as I mentioned, with the passion that we have for the Grizzlies, you know, we want to make sure we cover everything you know that's relevant. So for myself, Sean Coleman, thanks so much for joining us on this edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. We'll talk to you soon.